Hey everyone, hey, it's so good to connect with you, even if it's just via video. Today is Palm Sunday, the day we celebrate the triumphal entry of Jesus Christ riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. It's a parade, yay! <laughs> but for, for Jesus, it's pressure. Jesus is under pressure. In Luke 19.35, they brought the colt to Jesus and they threw their garments over it for Jesus to ride on. And as Jesus rode along, the crowds spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. For Jesus, this was the parade before the pain, the crowd before the cross. Jesus knew what was coming and he's under pressure. You know, pressure is a reality in each of our lives. Perhaps your pressure is a result of this pandemic, or perhaps it has nothing to do with it. But real quick survey right now. If you've been under some pressure here lately, just type pressure in the feed right now. Pressure, right? I'm under pressure. You feel like a Queen song coming on. Ba-da-doom, ba-da-doom, ba right? <laughs> pressure pushing down on me, pressing down on you, no man asked for, right? One of my mentors, a missionary, E.G. Von Truxler, said, Ray, let me tell you about the pressure of missionary work in the Amazon jungle. He said, you know the snake, the python? I said, yeah, like the one that swallows people? He said, yes. You know what I tell my missionaries they should do if they encounter a python in the jungle? I said, run, run away. <laughs> Vaughn said, Ray, you run, you die. Pythons strike faster than you can react. In fact, pythons strike 10 times faster than a Formula One race car. No, you can't outrun a python. So what do I do, Vaughn? Vaughn said, you lie flat on your back. On my back? <laughs> like how many of you would guess the best thing to do when you encounter a python is to lay down completely horizontal. Put crazy in the feed right now. Yeah, that's crazy. But Vaughn says, yes, when you lie on your back, the python will push his head under you, experiment with you, decide, you know, whether or not you're prey. And so just lie real still. Right. Can you imagine? I mean, this is missionary prep right here. G give a shout out to our missionaries. Go missionaries. I mean, missionaries prepare for stuff like this. But Vaughn wasn't done. He says, Ray, the python will probably just leave you alone. But if it won't, don't move. Just lie on your back and let the python swallow your foot. It's quite painless. It'll take the python a long time to swallow your foot, but don't move. If you move, he'll whip his coil around you and crush you to death. But if you lie still, the python will keep swallowing you alive. And once his mouth gets up to your knee, that's when it's time to slowly take out your knife, insert it into the side of his mouth, and with a quick grip, slit him up. Easy peasy, right everyone? <laughs> that's what you do when you're under pressure. You know, in today's story, we find Jesus under pressure. Let me unfold it for you. Verses 36 says, as Jesus rode along, the crowds, they spread their garments on the road ahead of him. And when he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles that they had seen. You might wonder, well, Harris, how, how is that pressure? I mean, it sounds like praise. Well, it was praise. Jesus deserved that praise. But why? Why was the crowd praising Jesus? They were praising Jesus because they saw Jesus as a conquering king who would free them from the tyranny of Roman rule. They'd seen Jesus' powerful miracles. They knew what Jesus was capable of, so they were cheering him on because they had some incredible expectations of him. 
Listen, meeting expectations of a crowd, even of a family, of your spouse, well, that can create a lot of pressure. But it wasn't just the pressure from the crowd that Jesus was experiencing. There was also the pressure from the complaining critics. Verse 39 says, But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. Pressure from critics, pressure from crowds. How did Jesus keep his head in the midst of all that pressure? Well, that's our question today. How can I keep my head when everybody else is losing theirs? I mean, how do you do that? Well, to keep your head when everybody else is losing theirs, you must protect the three core facets of your life. You know, like a diamond, you've got more than one facet to you. With every turn, there, there's a new nuance of you. And so it is true of keeping your head in a crisis. There's three facets you must keep shining. The first of which, write, write this down, is to protect your identity, to keep your focus under fire. Protect your identity. When everybody else is losing their head, how do you keep yours? You protect your identity. You know, in mythology, in Greek mythology, there was this guy called Prometheus. Prometheus had a superpower. He could turn himself into any object. When you looked at a chair or you looked at a door, you might actually be looking at Prometheus. And so he goofed around a lot with his superpower, kind of like a practical joker would. But one day, Prometheus outsmarted himself. He had changed himself so many times into so many things, he couldn't remember who he was. Does that sound like culture today? People don't know who they are. Why? Because they're either listening to the critics, change like this, do like this, or they're listening to the crowd, be like that, be like this. You know, I, I brought my childhood toy with me. Any of you guys remember this toy? It put the name in the feed right now, if you remember. Kids, you know what this toy is called? This guy, he's before Xbox. He's before PlayStation. He's before even video games. Yes, this guy who lives in his underwear, his name is Stretch. Stretch Armstrong. Look what Stretch can do, kids. Watch. Because this is what people want to do to us. The crowds are on one side. The critics on another side. The lovers over on one side. The haters over here. And everybody wants to pull us in different direction. Which can get weird. But listen, you're not. Stretch Armstrong. You know, because when Stretch gets pulled in all sorts of ways, right? Stretch, the genius of Stretch is that he resumes his normal skin. But newsflash, everyone, you're not built like that. You put that kind of pressure on a human being, humans don't ooze back to normal. Humans snap. Which means the worst disease is the disease to please. Paul told a group of believers that lived in Galatia, people whose ancestors were the ancient Celtic tribe called the Gauls. You know, Gauls, Galatia, you know, Gauls, Galatia. Anyhow, these, these people's grandparents, great-grandparents, they moved from northern Europe to this spot which we would call modern-day Turkey. And then the Greeks took over this land and Hellenized them, turned them into Greeks. And so now these Gauls, they become kind of half-Gauls, half-Greeks, and then the Romans hit them next, and so they start losing their tribal identity. They're not part Gaul, part Greek, now part Roman. They're kind of tribal mutts. And they kept trying to please the people that were in power so much so that they end up losing their own identity. So Paul says to him in Galatians 1.10, look, if I were still pleasing people, I wouldn't be a servant of Christ. Paul's telling these people who have been stretched by the Greeks, stretched by the Romans, but claim to live as believers, he's saying, look, if you got the disease to please, you're not going to do well in your faith. Listen, it's so true today. Christianity is not just this little middle-class thing we do. 
It's a radically different lifestyle. You can't have Christ without the cross. That's why Easter is so important to us. Remember, the cross wasn't just an executioner's tool that Jesus died on. The cross is symbolic of not just Jesus' death, but how you and I are crucified with Christ and how our old life is gone and a new life has come. So our identity in Christ must be protected. You don't want your faith to be a victim of identity theft. You must remember who you are. So how do you do that? Well, let me tell you how I protect my identity. First, I focus on the fact that at my core, I'm a child of God. So the number one thing I must do is please God. Everybody type please God in the feed right now. Oh, we need to do that as a nation right now, right? Please God. That's Jesus' model for us in John 6, 38. Jesus said, I haven't come from heaven to do what I want to do. I've come to do what the one who sent me wants me to do. Listen, when you realize that God loves you so much, he sent his son to die for you, that you're God's thought, first thought every day, that he loves you more than you could love anyone else. When you get that, your self-esteem soars. Like Jesus, you can handle the pressure because it matters not what the crowd or the critics say about you. It only matters what your king says. And that's number one. Number two is this. I'm a husband. So then my next priority is to Lisa, my wife. Why? Because I got one of these things, right? This ring. And I made a super promise, a covenant, God calls it. And I made that promise nearly 28 years ago that I would never leave her no matter what we go through. Lisa and I, we're going to stick together. So I must love God first, but then I'm absolutely convinced when I get to heaven, God's going to ask me not, did I look after the church, but did I look after Lisa? I never made a covenant with the church. I only made a covenant with Lisa. So that's a priority for me. Next, I'm a parent. Kids, are your parents in the room? Give your parents a hug for me right now. Go hug them. Kids, you're awesome. But parents, listen, it's really easy to mix up your priorities. Sometimes a parent can prioritize a kid over their spouse. And that's a mistake. First, you are a spouse. Then you are a parent. If you flip it, it hurts not just your spouse, but it confuses the kids. See, if you get this wrong and your first child thinks they're number one, oh, they're in for a shock when kid number two arrives. Put your spouse first and then kids. And kids, listen, your parents love you, but you're not as important as your parents. Because one day you are going to grow up and leave. But your parents, they're the only ones who get to stay. How many kids y'all got? Would you put your kid count in the feed right now? Just put a number. I would put six, six boys big boys. I mean, they were born big. My first son, he entered the world at nine pounds. Yeah, came in with a school bag, tattoos, double everything. <laughs> Next kid, eight pounds. Kids three through six, they were massive when we got them. 47 pounds, 64 pounds, 82 pounds, 120 pounds. Yeah, beat that. <laughs> Lisa's amazing. <laughs> no, no, we, we adopted those four. They arrived big. And it's our job to love and care for our kids. So child of God, number one, spouse, then parent, and next one, pay, pay attention, entrepreneurs, business guys and gals. Don't grow a business at the expense of your marriage or your family. It's just not worth it. Do it and you'll end up like Stretch Armstrong. I, I, I so want to put some clothes on this thing. It's so weird. <laughs> next, this might surprise you, but fourth, I'm a friend. And I know some of you might think, well, hey, he hasn't mentioned the church yet. No, I haven't. For me, to keep my identity, I have to have good friends around me. I, I wouldn't be here without good friends. 
We all need good friends. Not just for the hard times, but also for the celebrations, for the parties of life. I mean, who are you going to invite to the party if you don't have friends? In fact, share this video with a friend of yours right now. You got friends? Share this experience with them. We need good friends who will call on us on our idiot moments, who will call us out and keep us accountable, who can look us in the eye and say, you smoking dope, stop that, right? You need friends who are going to text you when they don't see you at church and be like, where you been? What do you mean you've been too busy? You too busy for God? No, you're not. Get your priorities straight. We need friends to call us out when we're being dumb. You know, rounding out my top five is my identity as a pastor. Now you might think, well, why is the point at the bottom? Well, how many of you think that I would be a way better pastor if my relationship with God is strong, my relationship to Lisa is thriving, my relationship my boys are deepening, and my friends are strong and keep me accountable? How many of you think I'd be a better pastor if I know those four things first? Comment in the feed. Are you with me? That's how I roll. So how do you do it? Identity is protected in your relational priorities. Now here's the second facet of the diamond that is you, that you've got to protect if you want to keep your head when everybody else is losing theirs. It's one I want to share in a special broadcast on Tuesday for leaders and those of you that want to grow deeper. Tune in here Tuesday for a short but deeper dive on this. But here's the third and last facet that you've got to protect. If your, your, your world is panicking around you, you want to keep your head. When the crowds were piling on their praises and the critics were complaining, here's what Jesus did. Look at what was happening. Look how he responded. Verse 38. Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in, in the highest heaven. That's what the crowd was saying. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. Well, how did Jesus reply? Jesus said, If they keep quiet, the stones along the road will burst into cheers. Jesus didn't get into an argument with them. He didn't stop and get sucked into the crowd's hype or the critics' hits. No, write this down. Facet number three, you got to live with destiny. You got to keep pursuing your purpose. You may have never heard of a guy by the name of August Landmesser, but he was a European who lived in the first half of the last century, about 100 years ago. He grew up in Germany, and like every guy, he wanted to get a job. So he joined a political party so he could network to, you know, get a job in the Hamburg shipyard. He had no idea what the network believed. He just joined up to get the job. The network was called the National Socialist German Workers' Party. August knew it as a union. You know it as the Nazis. Soon, August began to notice that this Nazi party, this thing that was just supposed to be a socialist union, it was now getting very creepy, very nasty, and very evil. And one day in 1936, August finds himself in a massive crowd along a parade route for Adolf Hitler. And none of us would have ever known that August Landmesser existed except for something he did not do in that crowd. A photographer was taking pictures of the adoration and the worship that Hitler was receiving and everybody in the crowd was doing this Nazi salute, which was mandatory for civilians. Anybody not given a Heil Hitler salute would be prosecuted by a special court of the Third Reich. So everybody obeyed. Now, hey kids, hey adults, I got a quick game for you. I want you to examine a photo taken in 1936. In this photo, there's one person who's not going along with the crowd. Do you see him? This is not Where's Waldo, but there's one guy in this picture who's not doing what everybody else is doing. It's our August Landmesser. August Landmesser is not going along with everybody else. He's saying, yep, here I am, but I ain't part of this. I am not going along 
for this evil. You find him? Here he is. Take a look. August refused to salute, and his refusal cost him. He was arrested under the Nuremberg Laws and sent to a concentration camp. But he still wouldn't salute. August saw evil and said, no, I'm not going along with the crowd. His arms are actually folded in defiance. Listen, we all want to be loved. We all want to be accepted. We all want to be adored. We want to make other people happy. We're all tempted to give in to the disease to please. But to be a Christ follower, you must not give in. I'm not saying be rude or obnoxious. No, be like Jesus. Because like August, Jesus heard the adoration of the crowd, the roar, the palm leaves, the hosannas, and he said, I hear what you're saying, but I'm not going to be doing what you're asking because I have a bigger cause. I have a purpose. I have a destiny. I'm headed en route to the cross. Look at me, Christian. That's your destiny. It's my destiny. We cannot live the Christian life without the cross. Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but it is Christ that lives through me. I've got an old life and it's dead. And I've died to that. I live in a new way that's always focused on the cross. And you know, 2,000 years ago, Jesus, he didn't stand like that in the crowd, but he stood like this. Hebrews 12, 2, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. What does that mean? For the joy set before him? What is the joy? I mean, joy getting nails in your hands, nails in your feet, spear in your side, hanging naked in front of your own mother, spit on, cursed, your beard being pulled out of your face. Is there any joy in that? I mean, what joy is in the cross? Friends, the joy is you. The joy is me. You are Jesus's joy. You are what kept Jesus going. He said, Father, I want to please you by rescuing the world. You are his joy. Listen, we live in a world where everyone seems to be losing their head, especially in these pandemic times. People are going crazy at the least little thing. So how do we keep our head when everybody else is losing theirs? You protect your identity, keep your focus under fire, and you live with destiny. You never stop pursuing your purpose. You know, my dad, he was stationed in Greenland for a year. Before that, we lived the Caribbean life in Puerto Rico, t-shirts and shorts every day. My brother and I, we weren't sure what my dad did, but the next thing we knew, the U.S. Air Force sent him from the balmy 80-degree tropics to 80 degrees below zero Arctics to Greenland. And I remember my dad telling me one day, Ray, those icebergs up there, they were so odd. Two icebergs right next to each other would often be moving in opposite directions. The small ones move one way while the big ones move the other way. And I'm like, why, Dad? And my dad explained, well, the small icebergs, they're moved by the surface wind. The winds just blow them along. But the big bergs, the ones where most of them, 90% of it's beneath the surface, well, those surface winds, they don't bother those big bergs. They only move by the deep current of the sea. Friends, Jesus Christ was not a surface thing, moved by the winds up here. He was deeply rooted in the will of God. The Bible says he was the lamb that was slain before the creation of the world. He knew what he had to do. 
And look at me, everybody. The Point Church is not just a surface-level church blown along by the culture. No, 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 no. We have our roots deep in the strong current of God's Word. Amen, everybody? Give me an amen in the feed. We're not surface-level people. We're deep-rooted in God's Word. And that doesn't make us rude or crazy. That's not what it does. It just means that we move in obedience. We're moved by the deep waters of trust in our God, believing His Word to be true and living by it, whether in pandemic times or not. Let's pray together. Wherever you are, would you just stop? This is an important moment in our service. With your eyes closed, your heads bowed, if you're saying this day, I just want to get right with God, take a moment right now and say, God, at the core of me is a missing identity. And I need you at the center of my life. And maybe you've never invited him in. It's, it's not a hard thing to do. You just say, Jesus, forgive me. I've been me at the center of me. I've been operating everything and it hasn't gone so well. So today I invite you in. My number one priority, take charge, clean house, give me a new direction. Would you pray that right now? Say, Jesus, forgive me, come in and lead me. Forgive me, come in and lead me. Father, I pray for every person watching right now who just invited you into their lives. God, we know something supernatural occurs when you show up in our lives. You give us a sense of purity that we truly are forgiven. You give us this sense of purpose that we have a reason to get up. We have a reason to live. Father, I pray for every person that just prayed that prayer. I pray for those that are still considering it. I pray for every one of us who've prayed it years ago. In this pandemic, help us to remember who we are. Help us to know that at the core of our life, when we put you first, everything else just works. Help us not be like stretch, but help us, God, become people who are rooted in your word like those icebergs. For it's in Christ's name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Hey, thank you today for being so attentive. Thank you for all the kind words in the feed. And let me remind you, check back here this Tuesday as I share one more facet for our lives that we need to protect to keep our heads when everybody else is losing theirs. Hey, Easter's coming up next week. Are you excited? I can't wait for our very first Easter service online. Listen, it's going to be absolutely fantastic. Send a few invites to your friends. Invite them to watch along with you. I'll see you next week.